Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. In this episode, we hear from Daniel Hauser, goaltender for the Winnipeg Ice, as they get set to take on the Medicine Hat Tigers starting Friday night in the WHL first round postseason matchup. And also, Ken Weeb and I have a deep chat about what the heck's wrong with the Winnipeg Jets. That's all coming up on the podcast. WHL postseason begins on Friday for the top-ranked Winnipeg Ice. The regular season champs set a franchise record with 115 points in 68 games, 57-10-1, with 55 of those wins in regulation. They scored 325 goals and allowed 177. They are very good, super good, coming off a great season last year where they made the East Final but lost to Edmonton in five games. Part of their success has been goaltender Daniel Hauser. The 19-year-old from Chestermere, Alberta, posted a record of 37-4-1 this year with a 917 save percentage and 228 goals against average. In 90 career WHL contests with Winnipeg, get this, he's 78-7-3. That's wild. This week, he was also named an East Division First Team All-Star. I caught up with Hauser this afternoon and started by asking how he's feeling now that the playoffs are almost here. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty exciting. Um you know, I think we're, uh, as a team, we're pretty happy with uh, what we were able to do during the season. But, uh, you know, finally have playoffs roll around here. It's uh, exciting for sure. To be named a first-team All-Star in your division, what does that accomplishment mean to you? Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, obviously uh, pretty cool, pretty special. Um, but, uh, you know, it goes a lot deeper than than just myself uh you know i got a lot of people to thank for helping me out along the way and um yeah it's cool to get that recognition what's it like playing behind the team you have uh it's uh you know sometimes it's pretty easy they make it easy on me sometimes but uh no it's really awesome um you know obviously we got a, a pretty good team this year and um pretty good uh defensive course so um you know it's nice not having to worry about uh you know guys falling behind or missing assignments or anything so um you know it's um it's awesome going into this season what were your goals uh well this year i um you know wanted to obviously start a lot of games uh for the team um, and kind of just really obviously come to the rink and get better every day and have fun doing it. But uh, also, uh, you know, do my best to you know, try to cement myself as a top goalie and, uh, you know, not only kind of the East division, but the league as well. And for this team, you know, they had a great year last year and lost in the conference final was getting so close to the WHL final uh, a big motivating factor in trying to be as good or better this year? Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, going far in the playoffs last year uh, and uh, coming up short is uh, definitely a motivator for a lot of the guys that were here. And, uh, you know, I think that that experience and, uh, yeah, having that experience is uh, really going to help us out this year. So this matchup in round one, Medicine Hat, give me a scouting report on the Tigers. Uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're a really good team. Uh, you know, they've improved a lot from the start of the year. Uh, 
you know, they're, uh, they're fast, got, uh, got a lot of good players. So, uh, you know, we got to bring our A game and it'll be, uh, be a fun challenge for sure. How did it go against them in the regular season? Uh, we did pretty well. I think we dropped one to them, but, uh, won the rest. So, uh, you know, they were all tight games, uh, all great games. So, um, you know, they're, uh, again, they're, uh, they're a good team. Who would you say is the most underrated player on the Winnipeg ice? Most underrated player. Uh, you know, I think we got a few of them. Uh, I could name off a few guys here, but, um, you know, obviously, I think McLennan's pretty underrated. He's a guy's a goal scoring machine. Um, I think he, uh, you know, de- deserves a lot more credit than he gets. Uh, you know, Ben Vladi, Graham Sword, um, the list could go on and on. Uh, I think we got a lot of guys who uh, bring a lot to the table and uh, you know work uh, work their absolute hardest. So, um, just to name a few, I think that's who I'd go with. You were a sixth-round pick of the ice a few years ago. Did you think when you were chosen, you'd end up setting records for wins with this franchise as you right now have been posting great numbers through your first couple seasons? Uh, you know, to be completely honest, I, uh, I didn't, really, didn't really think that would, uh, that would happen. But, uh, you know, obviously I'm super, I'm super grateful for for everything uh, the ice have given me and uh, how they've treated me ever since uh, they drafted me uh, a few years ago. And, uh, you know, ever since I was 15, my first camp here, I've just taken it day by day. And, um, you know, I'm going to continue to do that. And, uh, you know, it's been working out pretty well for me. What's James Patrick like as a coach? Uh, He's awesome. You know, he uh, expects a lot out of us and uh, keeps us accountable. And, uh, you know, also pushes us to be our best. So, uh, you know, I, uh, I really enjoy him having as a coach. Were you always a goalie? Was that always your position or did you mix it up when you were younger growing up? Uh, when I was younger, I was a forward for two years and then went to defense for two years. And then, uh, I think when I was about 11 years old, made the switch to goalie. And why did you make the switch? Uh, to be honest, I, uh, I thought the, the gear was the coolest thing ever, but, uh, no, one day, I think back in novice, I, we, uh, every get on the team just rotated going to net and, uh, it was my turn and made a few lucky stops and, uh, had some fun. And ever since that day, I've, uh, I've loved it. Now, did your parents love the fact that you became a goalie? Cause it's pretty expensive to be a goalie too. <laughs> Yeah, no, they were, uh, it took some convincing for sure. And for you, when, you know, did you always know that you could take goaltending far and get to the WHL or, or how did you treat your, your path forward as you went through minor hockey? Uh, you know, to be honest, I, uh, kind of just had fun with it. Uh, you know, at the, um, at the time and, uh, like obviously it still is, it was, uh, you know, the funnest thing in the world to me. So, um, you know, I, uh, 
every time I got the opportunity to, you know, get on the ice and stop some pucks, I was having the time of my life and working my hardest and, uh, you know, once again, just taking it day by day. And who were some of your goaltending idols growing up? Uh, well, when I was younger, I really liked Carey Price, but, um, you know, over, over the last few years, I've really started to watch, uh, UC Soros and, uh, Andre Vasilevsky. And why them? Uh, well, I like Soros cause he's, uh, not the biggest guy like myself. Uh, super athletic, super flexible, you know, it's extremely fast. So, uh, he's pretty fun to watch and, um, you know, Vasilevsky's also, you know, one of the most athletic goalies I think the NHL has ever seen. So, um, you know, he makes a lot of tough saves look easy. And, uh, again, he's really fun to watch. Well, Daniel, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this, and uh, best of luck in the playoffs coming up. All right, thank you. Because we welcome in Ken Weave of Sportsnet, who is – Covering the Jets on the road as they laid an egg in San Jose last night. Ken, first of all, what did you think of what you saw last night and what you heard after the game? Yeah, certainly interesting. I understand the angst level is certainly high. Uh, first of all, happy eighth anniversary to you, Christian. Glad you Thank are you. feeling well at home in the Keystone province and, and keep that up. Uh, in terms of the Jets, well, uh, <laughs> You can understand why the fan base is up in arms, no doubt about it. Uh, I would I would just offer a quick cautionary tale. Uh, also, what I saw in the building was fewer than 10,000 people interested in a team that had been a very good team for a long, long time. So uh, that would be a be careful what you wish for, uh, just that I would also start with that. But in terms of what I saw from the Jets, uh, I saw them put up a lot of shots, but not as much difficulty as they needed to be able to generate against a team that went into yesterday having won just once in their previous 15. And that lone win was against none other than the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they hurt their lottery chances significantly by accidentally winning, but uh, the Jets did their part to ensure that they were happily taking those or unhappily taking those two points in the tankathon, I guess. But uh, in terms of quality of play, the, the Jets just didn't have enough urgency. They're, they just didn't play the way that a playoff team needs to play. And uh, Rick Bonus was very stark in his assessment, very blunt. And, you know, it's not hard to figure out. This wasn't just a one-man pointing of a finger, but there are a lot of players on the Jets that need to be doing a lot more at this time of year. And, and if they don't change that narrative quickly, uh, the precarious two-point hold on that final playoff spot is soon going to vanish unless the Jets find another level. And right now, there has not been a whole lot of evidence to suggest they're going to find another level. But I would say this. I know a lot of people have been, you know, Mark Scheifele is obviously a lightning rod for this team. Um, I do think it was important that he spoke after the game yesterday, given you know his nine games without a goal and only two assists during that span. Ultimately, it's his play that's going to matter. But, you know, in a season where we've talked a lot about accountability starting to lack a little bit, the fact that he quite bluntly said, I need to produce more, I think that's an important step in the right direction. But ultimately, Shifley and other guys, whether that's Blake Wheeler with no goals in 21 or Kyle Connor with one in 15, and even you could say Dubois with one in 10, 
those guys all need to do more. The Jets are simply not scoring enough, and they've been shut out you know, three times in the last seven games, I think. And nine goals in seven games, that, that's just not going to cut it, no matter how you slice it. And, you, and I mentioned this earlier in the show. You look at the players who had the most expected goals, which is, you know, it's not a perfect stat, but it gives you an idea of who's trying to generate things. And Lowry, Nemestikov, Barron, and Appleton were at the top of the list. And, and if you're the Winnipeg Jets, your stars just need to carry more of the load, right? Absolutely. And that's, it's funny how the narratives have quickly shifted. You know, three weeks ago, we fans were up in arms that Adam Lowry hadn't scored in 35 games. So Adam did find a way to get out of it. And he's not only has he been one of their most productive players during this span of games, he's been one of their most consistent players. So, you know, he got himself out of a tough spot. So if Adam can do it through hard work, then the skilled players can do it through hard work and skill also, right? That's, that's something that I would say, you know, when you say fans are fed up, I mean, I understand the frustration, but there are players on this team that have shown they can get the job done. Now, can they do it when the, when the heat is on, so to speak? Well, as Rick Bonus said, we're about to find out. I think we're already finding out. They've got seven wins in their last 21, and I think the heat's been on for a while. It's not like the playoffs, the playoff push just started now. They've been underachieving now for, for weeks, and, and I think a big part of that starts with the power play, which has gone just anemic over the last couple months. Is, is Rick Bonus out of answers in terms of how to try to fix this? Yeah, I don't think he'd ever be out of answers completely. Would he be baffled and befuddled by what has transpired? Absolutely. Uh, there certainly are still some other cards to play. And when it comes to that one for 30 power play, Christian, I, I, unless Mark Scheifele can can generate more or pull himself out of this, uh, I mean, the one natural thing to try, the only thing that he hasn't really tried in terms of the personnel changes would be to put Mark Scheifele on the second unit with Blake Wheeler and put Ehlers on the first unit, yes, Ehlers has had a couple chances on that spot, but never consistently enough for him to see if he can get a little bit of run and get his offense going. We talk about guys that are struggling offensively. Well, Nikolai Ehlers has, I think, four goals in those nine games. So if they're not scoring a lot and you have a guy that, that has been producing, I'm not saying this is a you know snap your fingers and the problem is solved, but you know, Nikolai Ehlers can't be playing 13 minutes and 50 seconds, no matter how many face-offs Kevin Stenlund is out for. Right now, he is outproducing and outperforming Blake Wheeler, and the minutes need to match that accordingly, and, and they don't right now. So uh, as much as fans and others may want to suggest this is a one-player problem, everyone shares in the responsibility, and to a degree, I think Rick Bonus has to share in that responsibility as well because there are other buttons that he's going to need to push in order to try to get get this team to where it wants to get to. Now, having said that, I, I don't think that the people are solely blaming bonus. I think they're quite frankly out to lunch because this is not just a one coach who can't figure it out problem. This is now three coaches in a row that have, that have seen very similar results down the stretch. So at some point uh, the players need to answer and be accountable for their own actions as well. And that, that until that happens, then this chase will continue. And, Again, you're right. It, it, it's not a week. It's not a weekly problem. This is this is two months now of subpar hockey. But it's, it's it's amazing to watch a game like yesterday's game and think that a month and a half or two months earlier, the Jets were in not only in first in their division, they were in first place in their conference. So I don't think they've forgotten how to play hockey. 
but the other teams around them have all raised their level and the Jets have not only come back to the pack, they have allowed the pack to catch up to them. So that that's where, when I say we're going to find out a lot about them, we're going to find out what it's really like when they're pushed now. Like their cushion used to be eight or 10 points and now it's two points and the teams chasing them. One of those teams, the Calgary Flames, who will be in town on Wednesday, their only game against a team currently above the playoff line is going to be against the Jets. Now, that's no guarantee of success, but it certainly puts them in a pretty good position. Now, having said that, the Jets also don't play a whole lot of playoff teams before in their final seven either. Nashville's got a much tougher schedule, but as Nashville showed last night against Boston, I don't see either Nashville or Calgary going away. So if the Jets want to hang on to this playoff spot, they're going to need to win at least four games and possibly five out of those seven and the most important ones for them to win are the head-to-heads, but it's not just win two games and punch your ticket. This is this is basically going right down to the wire. And, oh, by the way, Jets, the team that has owned them in the season series is one of the teams they play in their last two games, and the other team absolutely blew them out of the water in their last meeting, even though the Jets had beat the Colorado Avalanche in two of the three meetings. They were clearly outclassed in the third meeting. And I agree with you that there's lots of blame to go around for what's gone on the last little while. The coach does wear some of it. The coach does decide line combinations and, and who gets to play how many minutes. That's part That's part of the discussion here. And I agree that Nikolai Ehlers needs to play more and Blake Wheeler needs to play less. Like you said, it's not the be-all, end-all. It's not going to solve everything. I think it's, a, it's something that should happen. So for you then, looking ahead to this last seven-game stretch, how should Rick Bonus construct his, his forward lines? Yeah, I mean, this is a million-dollar question. So I think that I'm not advocating for Blake Wheeler to become a fourth-line player suddenly, but in order to maximize his minutes, Christian, you can bump up a guy like Morgan Barron for the, you know, whether that's one shift, a period, or or whatever number, if it's one or two, that could help twofold. It gives the line a different look, and it allows Wheeler to stay fresher because even though he's not getting a lot accomplished, he, you can't question his effort. He's trying hard he's just not getting from a to b the way he once did and his production has not been there i mean that's obvious but this isn't to say that blake should be benched or demoted to being an eight minute a game player but by playing other people around him that would help them and in terms of your question i'm not trying to dance around it i have no idea what the most optimal lines look like because the jets don't know like one of their most productive lines in a very small sample size was Ehlers with Dubois and Kyle Connor. But right now, Kyle Connor's not playing like Kyle Connor. And so is that the best place for him? I'm not sure. Uh, you know, the lines that they use in the... If I were Rick Bonus, I would start the lines the way they start, They finished the third period yesterday. But having said that, I would reserve the right to bump Morgan Barron out to that line with Nemesnikov and Ehlers on a few of the shifts. I think it's worth giving a test drive to... Dubois, Shifley, and Connor, and then that leaves Niederreiter with Lowry and Appleton. But you could also bump Niederreiter in where Wheeler is also, and I don't think there's any drop-off. But the problem is the Jets don't have whatever chemistry they had outside of Lowry and Appleton and whoever's playing with them. I wouldn't say it's gone out the window, but it certainly is not something where you snap your fingers and say, hey, these two pairs are going and just plug in the third guy. Right now, you're literally rolling the dice and hoping for Yahtzee. Honestly, like 
you can't just say naturally it's Dubois and Connor because they worked the best last year. That hasn't really, that didn't transpire when he put them back together. So, and I don't think it's Connor with Shifley, but it could be. But right now there just aren't a lot of signs to say if you snap your fingers, if it were that easy, people that are smarter than you or I, with all due respect to you and I, would have figured that out. But uh, I, I think there are there is a there is certainly a path for the Jets to make the playoffs and for them to get back on track, Christian. I just don't know if it is an easy answer. But I think it definitely, if it were me, as you asked me, I think you got to play Niederreiter a lot of minutes. He's played well. Nemestikov and Ehlers have played well together. I would put those guys together. And then when it comes to Shifley, I don't have a great answer. Uh, I think that Mark needs to. I understand he was very defiant in saying he would rather be a shot quality than quantity person. But he needs to be playing on, with someone who can help get him looks. And I think Dubois might be that player. That's got to be a helpless feeling if, if Rick Bonus feels that way too, of not knowing the answers with only seven games to go and watching this giant point cushion dwindle yeah. away to what's now two points. And the fact that we're even have to talk about this with seven games to go is uh, is a pretty solid indictment of what we've seen. No doubt, Christian. And when I say this, I mean, I'm in the rink and I'm looking down from the press box and you look at Rick Bonus and it was even, it was even more noticeable on Saturday in L.A. Rick is looking at the bench and he honestly is, you can see the gears grinding and he's thinking, who do I put out next? Literally, he there's some nights where they've had almost nobody going. And that as a, as, a, as a head coach, when your only lines that are going are the third and fourth lines, with all due respect to the third and fourth lines, who play an important role. It's hard for a coach to think, you know, this is how we're going to get out of this uh, scoring slump because not a lot of players are performing to the level that we've seen them perform at. And that's been a big problem for the Jets. And until they get that solved, it's going to basically be hang on for dear lifetime for them unless they suddenly find the elixir and the cure uh, in this next little stretch. And, and that means sticking to all the cliches that were being offered by Dylan DeMello and saying they can't start finger pointing and things unraveling like they did last year down the stretch when the truth serum was not only, you know, what it was very much out with the players like Paul Stasty and others who shared public comments. I don't think this is a matter of, players you know, being ticked off at the coach and revolting, if you will, like last year when guys went on their own program. But at the same time, it's obvious, blatantly obvious to anyone who's watched this team all year long that they have abandoned a bunch of the core principles. They're, they're not playing an aggressive game. They're not getting in on the forward check. A lot of times when the defensemen are pinching at the blue lines, the third man is not high and, Structurally, the Jets, it's a miracle, well, it's a miracle and Connor Hellebuck, that the Jets are still 10th in the NHL in goals against. But if we'd gone into this year, Christian, you and I talking about the Jets like we did, would, would we have said the Jets are going to be 23rd in goals scored? No, not a chance. We might have thought they'd be middle of the pack, but this is a team that's got enough offense. They, they shouldn't be in the bottom third, and that's part of the confusing part of for folks that are just saying, oh, it's because yeah, it's Bonus plays a boring defensive style, that's not it. it. The Jets just have lacked finish this year. Some of that could be bad luck, but also they're just not finishing at, at a normal rate, and, that, and that's, part, that's a huge part of the problem. Absolutely, Ken. Appreciate your time. Thanks for this, and we'll see you at the game on Friday. Sounds good, Christian. Thanks for having me, and enjoy the rest of the show. Take care. 
Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to